Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Please turn to 1 Thessalonians 4 in your Bible. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with the cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we, we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Well, we are um, towards the very end of this sermon series we called This We Believe, looking at the basic beliefs of our faith. Um, and, and not just looking at the beliefs by saying this is what we believe, but also trying to uh, flesh out ways in which we can practice the things that we believe. Uh, we said at the very beginning that to, to, to have a belief without a practice that, that kind of shows your faith in that thing, it's kind of like saying, I believe that this chair will hold me, but never ever actually sitting in the chair to see if it actually will. Uh, and, and so we've gone through a bunch of things, and we've said, we started with uh, the only logical place I believe to, we should start, which is our belief in, in God, uh, triune God, specifically God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we said that to practice our belief in this triune God is to submit ourselves to God's authority uh, as the creator and maker and savior of the entire world. Uh, we also said that because of the nature of the God is the way it is in this trinity of relationship, uh, that we also should submit ourselves to one another. Uh, important distinction here is that we mutually submit ourselves, right? It's not just uh, you are under my authority, but that we are submitting one to another. It's the way community happens. Uh, we said that we practice our belief in things like uh, sin. Actually, Bible. we did the Bible first, right? The Bible, we practice our belief in the Bible by submitting ourselves to the Bible, uh, that we bring a, a spirit of humility and humbleness as we approach the scriptures, asking the spirit to help us understand what it means. Uh, and then we bring our readings of the scriptures to each other and we submit those readings to one another. We said that we practice our belief in sin and in grace through repentance and confession. Uh, that we not only uh, repent and conf confess and repent to God, but we confess and repent to one another, that these practices are mutual. They are communal. I, I don't know that you can truly repent without it taking place within the community of faith. Uh, next, we said that we practice our belief in sin or in salvation and sanctification through a ministry of reconciliation that God has so completely identified with us in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, he knows all of our sin, and that he's incorporated us into the family of God. That what Christ has done for us in that act, that we too are to do for others. 
that we are to go into broken places and among broken people and offer a ministry of reconciliation. We are to identify with the brokenness of the world so that through the power of the Spirit, those who have been broken in the world can be incorporated into God's family and experience the love and grace that God has for all of us. Next, we said we, uh, we said we practiced our belief in the church as a body, a, co- a community of faith that confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we do this through gathering together to worship all together. We do this gathering together to mutually submit to one another uh, through kind of a smaller group kind of deal. Uh, but that we are never, ever just to gather. We are never, ever, well, we never, ever just leave the gathering that we have uh, that we have done. We are always sent out into the world to be Christ's ambassadors in the world. That we take the presence of Christ with us uh, into the world. Last week we said that we believe in the sacraments, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we said that we practice our belief in those by thoughtfully participating in those sacraments. That even if we have been baptized whenever anybody gets baptized here, that we remember our baptism. We confess again our sinfulness and we walk, uh, we allow Christ's life to to reinvigorate us and to send us forth in newness of life. And we receive the Lord's Supper. Uh, This meal that we, we take often as a remembrance of all the things that Christ has done for us. His death, his resurrection, and the hope of his coming Again, we practice those by, by thoughtfully engaging in those sacraments, sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. This week, though, we're, we're going to end with the end, the last things, the, uh, the judgment, the end of days, a uh, couple of the things you might want to call it. It, it. It's however you want to do it. Before we do that, though, I want us to recite the Apostles' Creed. We've, we've done this almost every week when I have remembered, Right? So we're going to do this. Uh, there's nothing magical in it, but it retells the story of Christ's life, and it's the earliest confession of faith. And so I feel like it's, as we're looking at these practices, it's appropriate for us to do this. So here we go. Read this with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Just again, Catholic means universal. We're not confessing our faith in the like Roman Catholic Church. Well, this week we um, we do the last things, and there's a couple of things I think I need to say at the beginning that will help frame our conversation about these things. The first thing is, I believe that what you believe about how the end of the world is going to happen is important. Uh, it's it's important because I think that you. What you believe about what's going to happen when Christ returns uh, will affect your behavior. Uh, for instance, if you believe that God's just going to blow everything up uh, and suck us all off the earth, then, then there's no 
There's no reason for you to take care of anything here and now. There's no reason for you to take care of your body because you're going to die and float away as a soul anyway. There's no reason for you to take care of the good earth that we live on, well, because it's just going to go all up in flames anyway, right? So, so there's that. I, I, uh, I, I think it's important. At the same time, at the same time, uh, I don't really care what you believe about exactly how this happens. Uh, we'll get into this in just a little bit. Uh, there are a lot of ideas. There are a lot of ideas about what will happen when Jesus comes back again. And some of these ideas are, are fairly popular. And in the last couple of years, uh, let's say over the last 150 years, uh, there have been uh, some pretty popular ideas about what's going to happen. And in fact, some of them, well, let's just say a lot of people have made a lot of money writing books and or movies uh, about what the end of the world might be, right? I think it's important to understand, uh, and Sam and I had this conversation uh, this week in the office. Uh, from our point of view, like we're all guessing about what's going to happen because none of us on this side of life, uh, we really know, right? Uh, but a lot of people have made money doing books, and I guess there's nothing wrong with them inherently if we understand that they are mostly fictional, even if there's some scripture in them. Uh, but they're people's understandings of what might happen. Uh, now, the only thing wrong with these may be the actors in them uh, and their performances. Nick Cage, I don't know. That's, uh, anyway. Well, uh, a lot of these things, especially the, the, the theology and the, uh, the stuff that kind of goes into Left Behind. And things like that. I'm not picking on Left Behind. I really am. It's just kind of an example. Uh, a lot of this started close to 150 years ago. Some of it with a guy named John Nelson Darby. And he had this idea, uh, kind of rapture, being left behind, uh, dispensationalism, premillennialism, things you may have heard but maybe don't understand. Uh, he had this idea, and, and he, he began to popularize this, and he wrote, a, he wrote a kind of a Bible. He didn't write a Bible, but he wrote notes in a Bible that... Uh, began to be popular. And uh, so his, his dates there are 1800 to 1882. By the Schofield Bible, which kind of built on Darby's dispensationalism, premillennialism, uh, became really popular. And uh, so it, he, he wrote a Bible and it, it just kind of grew and grew. And as these two men and their work has influenced a lot of kind of evangelical theology, popular theology about what the end of the world will look like. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with this. What I want you to, to, to focus on, so I'm not knocking this. Uh, what I want you to focus, though, on is, is not, um, not necessarily how it's going to happen, but that it is going to happen. Uh, we don't, it's not essential for you to, to we've talked about at the beginning uh, that there are essential beliefs, like God, the belief of the triune God, that is an essential belief. Uh, that the Bible is God's word is an essential belief. That Jesus Christ is, he died and rose again, that is an essential belief. That Jesus Christ is going to return again one day is an essential belief. How, in fact, that all goes down 
is not an essential belief. So while I think it's important, it affects how we behave in this world, it's not important in that it's not something we should fight about necessarily. I don't care what you believe about how the world is going to end so long as you are not so heavenly-minded, you're not so concerned with what comes next that you are no good on this earth here and now, right? There's a phrase, and I didn't make it up, uh, so not so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good, right? That's not what we're going for. And I think that should be no surprise to us as we've talked about these beliefs and, and how kind of connected they are to our relationships with one another. That we are an embodied faith. We are a communal faith. That the things that we practice, that our love for God ultimately gets worked out through our love for our neighbor. So the Church of Nazarene has two different articles of faith. Uh, we've said that we've, atta- we've um, looked at these beliefs from the perspective of, of a Wesleyan tradition, and we belong in that tradition. And, uh, and so here's Article 15, and, and it's on... Um, What's well, on Christ coming again? Uh, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will come again, that, that we who are alive at his coming shall not precede them that are asleep in Christ Jesus, but that if we are abiding in him, we shall be caught up with risen saints to meet the Lord in the air so that we shall ever be with the Lord. Now, uh, this, this article of faith for the church is almost a word-for-word uh, copy of the passage of scripture we read at the very beginning. 1 Thessalonians 4. Now what's happening here? If you look at it, at first reading, it looks like we're all going to get sucked up and we're all going to, you know, I'll fly away oh Jesus, right? That when Christ comes, he's just gonna, we're going to all meet Jesus in the air and he's going to take us back to heaven with him. And, and I think if we're, if we're looking at the context and the practice of the day and the world in which this passage was written, uh, it'll make a little bit different sense to us. What's important to, to understand about this is, uh, well, Paul's using some imagery that would have been familiar to everybody around. In the Roman world, which is the entirety of when Jesus lived and died, right? The world was, most of the known world was ruled by the Romans, right? They were from Rome. Rome would set up puppet kings and governors at different places, right? Pontius Pilate. That's, that was his job. He didn't have any like legitimate inherited role to his leadership. Herod really didn't either. Uh, but they were kind of puppet kings. And, and a lot of times, kings were ruled go, and they would visit the places that they ruled. And because travel took a long time, they would send uh, an emissary out ahead of them, and they would say, hey, you, Elizabeth, go down to Jefferson City and tell them that your king is coming. Prepare the way, make straight the path, uh, clean up the place, all of that. In fact, that's the, the language we get uh, during Advent, right? Uh, the language we get surrounding John the Baptist. Uh, prepare the way for the Lord. Make crooked paths straight. Love, make it level and nice and, and straight. The imagery is there. The king is coming, and he's coming on a, you know, a road, and it is your obligation to make that road as easy to travel for this king as you possibly can. That's part of the image that's happening. 
as the king would make his progress towards the city that he was going to, he would get close and he would send out another emissary to the city and say, hey, we're about a day's away, just be ready. And the leaders of the city would come and they would gather together and they would march out of the city with great fanfare to meet the king while he was on his way to the city. And they would usher the king into the city with great fanfare. In fact, this is kind of the image that we get on Palm Sunday. All of Israel was hoping that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the king, that he was going to come into the capital city of Jerusalem as the king, and he was going to, he was going to make things right. So they brought him into the city with great fanfare. So, so that's the context of this, right? Uh, where we get tripped up a little bit is that Jesus isn't coming back via any kind of road, right? Jesus says, right before his ascension, he's like, I'm going to come back in the way that I left. And what happens to Jesus when he leaves? He ascends. He goes up uh, to be with the Father. And so if there are no roads, there are no ways for us to make the path straight, right? We can't go up there by ourselves. Well, I guess we've got planes and spaceships now. But that's kind of you know defeating the purpose, right? So the imagery that Paul is using, he's saying Christ is going to come back in the same way that he came that had he left. And those who are dead in Christ, those who have been faithful followers of Christ, are going to be caught up in the air. And they are going to meet Christ on his way back down to earth. And they're going to usher him to his home now. Now, here's the passage from Revelation. It's kind of helpful here. Revelation 20, right at the end. John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the last, first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away, and the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. I I told Sam that I was really hoping that while I was reading the passage from Revelation that the thunder would go, and it totally did. Yes. Not that this is like foreboding, right? Uh, But this is good news, right? Because Jesus is coming. This is the best news, actually, right? that Jesus is, is coming back here, uh, that he's not starting all over again, that, but he's, he's working from the very beginning. From, from Adam and Eve on, he's been working to redeem and restore this place. And he's coming back to make all things new again. Now, I think we've got this popular idea that Jesus is going to make all new things. There's a difference. Uh, the difference is, is a new thing is going to the car dealership and buying a brand new car. Making something new is going and finding uh, your Uncle Eddie's old car in the barn and taking it out and lovingly restoring it back to, the, to the, its glory. Right? 
the difference is tearing down a house and building a brand new one or taking a 100-year-old farmhouse and lovingly restoring it back to having indoor plumbing and, and you know, all the modern conveniences, right? This is the image. This is what we believe about Christ is coming and he is coming back and his home is going to be with us and he's going to redeem and restore the world back to the way it was in the beginning. Here's the thing, and Sam will tell you this. Restoration takes time. It is a long, hard process. And sometimes, and sometimes it seems like you're not making any progress, right? That's where we are. Christ is beginning to redeem and restore the world. God's been at this for a long time. Christ is going to come and finally finish that work. wanted to say this before. I think sometimes we get so convinced in what we think is going to happen that we miss out on what it is that God really wants to say to us. In regard to the way this all happens, Israel thought they were convinced. Well, a lot of people in Israel were convinced that they understood who and what the Messiah was going to be and do when he came. They were so convinced that the Messiah was going to be a certain type of person that it blinded them to the way in which Jesus actually was. So as we continue to talk about these things, I don't, want, I don't want us ever to be so convinced that we actually know exactly how it's going to happen that we miss, we miss how Christ might be calling us to act and live and work in this world. Uh, we have another article of faith. So Jesus is coming back. We're going to get resurrected. Make his home with us, restoring and redeeming the world that he loves. Article 16 says this. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. The bodies, the bodies, both of the just and the unjust, shall be raised to life and united with their spirits. That they have done good unto the resurrection of life, and that they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And that's where it needs to thunder. But it didn't. Uh, We believe in the future judgment in which every person shall appear before God to be judged according to his or her deeds in this life. We believe that the glorious and everlasting life is assured to all who savingly believe in and obediently follow Jesus Christ our Lord and that the finally impenitent shall suffer eternally in hell. What's going on here? Uh, Real basic. Jesus is coming back. Everybody gets resurrected. Those who, those who have done good, those who have followed Christ, and those who haven't done good, who haven't followed Christ. Uh, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 25, right? Uh, the parable of the sheeps and the goats. Now, I would read it, but it's kind of long. But it basically goes like this. He's like, on that last day, when I return again, they're going to be sheep and they're going to be goats. And he's going to look at the sheep and he said, he's going to say to them, well done, because when I was thirsty and hungry and naked, you gave me water and food and clothing. Welcome, you know, welcome into the kingdom of God. And the goats look at Jesus and they're like, but we don't understand. We're confused. When did we ever see you thirsty or hungry or naked? And Jesus says, uh, whatever you've done to the least of these, 
you've done to me. Everybody gets resurrected. Everybody goes before God. And God's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you loved me and you loved your neighbor well. Or he's going to say, I was naked and you didn't give me clothes. I was hungry and you didn't give me food. I was thirsty and you didn't give me water. I was lonely and you didn't comfort me. I was sick and you didn't visit me. I was mourning and you didn't didn't comfort me. Christ is coming again. He calls us. All the things we've talked about before, right? The whole ministry of reconciliation. He calls us to love him. And, and, and we try to do that. We do it through our song. We do that also through the way in which we care for one another. The way in which we care for our mothers and our fathers, our sisters and our brothers. The way in which we care for the people who are among us who are in need. Those who have loved God and their neighbor well live with God forever. Those who have not loved God and not loved their neighbor well. Well, we call that, well, the church is a word for that. We have that hell, right? That's, that's kind of how we've traditionally talked about it. And there's, there's lots of ideas about what that looks like too. Uh, but ultimately, it's separation from God for all of eternity. If you think about it, you and I were created to be in constant communion and relationship with God. If that's our purpose in life, then the worst case scenario is to never ever have that communion and connectedness and relationship with God. So, I guess the question is how do we practice our belief? in the fact that Christ is coming again and that there's a resurrection and that there's going to be this final kind of judgment. I think two things. I think first, I, I think we have a responsibility to care for the world uh, we're in. That means the, the ground and the air and the water. Now, like environmentalism has become a partisan issue and it really shouldn't be. Uh, so I, I don't want to kind of leave you with that. But if, if the God who created the world stepped back from it and said, it is good, then you and I, if God's going to restore this broken world, everything in it, then we have a responsibility to take care of, to practice the, the command that God gave us in the garden to have dominion over the world. But dominion not in a dominating kind of way, in a stewarding, loving kind of way. For God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his only son. I was interested about that today, and I was wondering what word Jesus actually used when he said those words. And the word world he uses is not earth or people, it's cosmos. That's the Greek word. So I looked it up, cosmos. Everything that is. For God so loved the world, all of it, that he sent his own son, Jesus Christ. What God loves, 
we should love. Second thing is, I think to practice our belief in that Christ is coming again, and he's going to redeem and restore all things, is to engage in ministries of, of justice. To work towards justice. That when there is injustice, that we speak out against it. That when people are oppressed and pushed down, we work towards their liberation. I think, uh, I think Caleb, two weeks ago when he preached, he talked about that the, the gentleman who, who tried to rescue all of those children from the Nazis, right? That's, whether he knew it or not, that is practicing a belief that Christ is going to come back and remake the world. It means that we care for the widow and the orphan and the poor and the stranger in our midst. It means that we, we foster kids. It means that we, we, we go to court with them, and Gary Bonzo does that, Casa. All of the things that we, it means that we provide free stuff for people, a free store. It means we go to the soup kitchen and we help feed people. Now, a lot of times it doesn't, like, it doesn't seem like we're changing anything, right? But the reality is, is that we don't always see the, the change. The progress is long. It's hard. So we practice our belief that Christ is coming again to redeem and remake the world, that he's coming to come be with us forever, to be in unbroken relationship with us by taking care of God's good earth and by working for justice in our world. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.